0: Welcome to multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling, I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you this week to continue our investigation of the Mara Poling investment thesis. And that's going to be focused on class B multifamily. Why Out of all the different elements in multifamily that we could invest in, why do we choose to focus on Class B? And why do we call it the Goldilocks Class, as you have probably heard us say many times? And by the way, is there a Class D? We're going to talk about all of that and more this week. Thank you for joining me. If you have questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G dot com. Take a swing by the Learning Center at MaraPolling.com. Lots of great content there. And you can register there to receive weekly updates about our podcast that include any handouts we might use. And we do have a handout this week. If you'd like a copy of the handout and you aren't going to get to the website, or that's that's uh, maybe uh, a little confusing in terms of where the registration link is, which is on the podcast page. Just shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, and I'll make sure that we get you registered for that. Okay, so let's dive into real estate classes inside multifamily. If you've been looking at multifamily for any length of time, and certainly if you're a multifamily investor, you're going to be familiar with class A, class B, and class C. Let me give you our definition, because if you Google it and ask for a definition, you're gonna get a lot of different stuff. So class A are luxury apartments. These are nicely appointed, probably newer, but not necessarily. You'll find as we go through here that age is less of an issue, but it's probably a newer unit. It's going to have luxury finishes, hardwood cabinets, solid surface, stone countertops, uh, beautiful flooring, lighting, and amenities that you're just not going to find elsewhere. Things like beautiful infinity pools and not just covered parking, but preferred parking and maybe garage parking. Uh Not just a gym, uh, but a true fitness center and a business center and a beautiful clubhouse and more and more and more. Class A's are really something. They're very, very nice. And then on the other end, we're going to have Class C. Class C is an outstanding place to live if you're looking for value, because Money's not being spent on infinity pools and gyms and grass and and other items. Class C is a place to live, and many Class Cs are wonderful. Uh, some are getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Class Cs are generally going to be older. Class Cs are going to have older infrastructure, so they're going to have maybe chillers and boilers. They could have wall heaters or air conditioners that are built into a wall, you know, think motel style. They're probably flats, right? So you're not going to see townhome styles and those sorts of things. And it's basically going to be a parking lot and then a bunch of apartments. And if there's any grass, it's modest in terms of what's there. That's why they're such great values. There's not as much money spent on all those other items. And you're not going to see as much pressure on your rent. They're really focused on value is what those tenants are looking for. So that's A on one end and that's C on the other. And this is where the Goldilocks term comes in because in the middle is class B. And we think Class B is the sweet spot. Class B is a bit of a combination of both. There's good value in Class B. You're not going to pay what you have to pay to live in a Class A property. And you're going to live in a really nice property. It's going to have many amenities, not as fancy. The interior finishes will not be as nice as a Class A you're going to have more room than you'll have in a class C and you might have things like some covered parking you're going to have a swimming pool you're going to have a a gym on site that you can use it's going to be a really nice place to live and that's why we like class B now we're going to walk through in a minute about a half a dozen different differences between those three classes that further reinforce why we Focus on class B. And while class B is the Goldilocks class, you all remember the Goldilocks story, right? There's the porridge is too hot and the porridge is too cold, and the porridge is just right, right? And that's class B. Before I do that, though, some of you are going to say, and maybe some of you are going to say this because I mentioned it in the intro, what about class D? Is there actually a class D? Well, we think there is. And again, these classes and the definitions I'm using are the ones that we, Mara Poling, operates with. Everybody's going to have their own slightly different variant of what it is. I think you get the picture in your mind from what I'm describing. So what's class D? So class D properties are old. They are assets that are almost exclusively occupied with tenants that are receiving some level of economic support. So this could be from a community organization. It could be from a government organization. They may be getting some, most, all of their rent paid by that organization. You are not going to see rent movement at all And the focus of investors in the class D space tend to fit in the two categories. Those that are intent on owning this type of asset over a period of time and are going to make modest investments, essentially investments that they have to make. Now, I'm not talking about slumlords here, right? We're not talking about an investor that's trying to take advantage of people. There are a number of people in society that need something with even different economics than a class C. And that's why class D exists as an investor and to attract investors. You've got to be able to do it in a manner in which you're not putting large sums of money in to improve the asset. You're really maintaining it. And the other reason that you might see investors in class D is what can often be called a covered land play. And that is, I'm not buying the property, I'm buying the land underneath it. And at some point in time, and it's possible that it'll occur simply because I'm not gonna renew tenants as their leases expire, whereas they choose to leave, we won't bring new tenants in. At some point in time, I will have a vacant property and I'm gonna now tear down that class D and I might rebuild with a new multifamily property. I might rebuild with some other use. And it's also possible that I won't do anything. I'll simply tear that down and have a raw piece of land that I will sell to someone else that will do that with it. So there is a class D out there. It is not a factor in the marketplace that we're talking about, right? So a a prospective tenant that might rent a class B and might look at a class A and might look at a class C isn't going to be the tenant that's going to look at a D. And a D isn't going to be someone that's going to look at an A. The economics of their particular situation aren't going to accommodate that. So we're talking about A's, B's, and C's. So let's walk through and we're going to look at, like I said, I don't know, half dozen, maybe a little more uh, factors that we take into account that lead us to class B being the sweet spot that we like focusing on. Class A, there's new supply coming online in class A. There's new construction there. Uh, If you listen to our episode from a couple of weeks ago where we talked about uh, why multifamily and we looked at the supply demand imbalance, we mentioned that the overwhelming majority, effectively 100% of new development is Class A or non-market subsidized Class B, but really Class A. So, Class A is a competitive environment. There is new product coming on board. If you invest there, you got to be paying attention to who's building near you and how much are they building and what's their economic uh, offering going to be. A Class C, well... The subsidized new supply is really what would compete with Class C because subsidized units that have below market rents, so these are rents that are going to be below the Class B market, those rents could be Class C type rents, which means a Class C tenant from an economic standpoint, somebody that's looking for that Class C value proposition might qualify for that Class B subsidized unit and that's who's going to take that space. Class B, we pretty much have a static supply. As, as we said, there's there's little to no new supply coming online in market-based class B. One of the reasons we really like it. Class A, when there's a recession, and if we're going to be investors in real estate, we're going to own real estate during a recession. Any thought that we're going to be able to time an investment, um, I I think is not fruitful. If you're going to own during a recession, then you need an asset that's going to perform through a recession. And class A's have vacancies during recessions. Why? Well, many of the tenants in class A's actually aren't affected by recessions. They have the type of job and the financial resources that uh, that either don't impact them or that impact them in such a way that they're still more than able to maintain the lifestyle that they want. And we all know somebody that lives in a Class A property and drives a leased luxury sedan and takes extravagant trips and lives beyond their means And maybe has, you know, 30 days living expenses sitting in their bank. Um, Good decisions, bad decisions, not ours to say, but they could be laid off. Or more often what might happen is they work somewhere where layoffs begin and the seed gets planted of, do I really need to pay $2,500 a month to live in this very beautiful apartment? Or could I go down the street and for maybe half live in that nice class B? It's not fancy like this, but that's a really nice place to live. And so there's a vacancy impact that class A's experience that ultimately benefits B's. What about C's? Well, there's an initial vacancy impact. Why? Unfortunately, when layoffs occur in a recession, they tend to hit the tenant base. That is going to make up C's and B's in some extent. So there's an initial vacancy impact, and then there's some recovery. And part of that recovery is people that are living in B's that I need to save a few bucks. I'm now more value oriented. So I'm going to move into a C. What's that leave for Class B? Well, there's that initial vacancy impact because tenants in Class B's will have their hours cut. Where they'll lose their job, they'll be laid off, uh, they'll need to move to another city or move in with friends and family. But then there's a recovery. And we've seen this when, when we go to buy a bee and we look at the historical at, uh, occupancy performance, we'll see spikes in vacancy and you can line those up with recessions, with the beginnings of recessions. And then you'll see a recovery fairly shortly thereafter. And what that is, is that's the A's, as well as people that might be homeowners or more appropriately have been homeowners that now are becoming renters. What about occupancy recovery? So class A's, when you get into the growth phase of the cycle and people are getting jobs and they're making more money, wages are up, people are going to move into class A's their occupancy is going to perform well because people are feeling good. They're feeling confident. And I work hard. I, I want to live that kind of lifestyle. I want to have a class A property. Maybe interest rates are moving up and, you know, I was going to buy a house. I'm not going to buy one right now. I'm going to go live though in a class A property and enjoy that lifestyle until such time as interest rates change and I can buy a home. A C Well, when there's that growth, you're going to see some initial vacancy hit. Why? Because some of the people that moved into the C's during the recession, if their economic status improves and they're in a situation where they can afford to focus less on value and more on the experience, well, they're going to move into a B. And so C's are going to see a bit of a hit. Class B's, again, there's that vacancy blip. Uh vacancy impact at the beginning of the recession. But then there's another little one when the recovery starts, which I found very interesting when we did our analysis 10 years ago as we were starting all of this work. And that's really the change in the tenant base that happens as the growth begins. And there's lots of reasons that B tenants move out. Some will move to A's. But the primary reason that a B tenant moves is they're buying a house and they, they get to go be homeowners. And we are so happy for them when they do that. And why? Because the space they're creating is going to give us room for the class C tenant that wants to move into a nicer property with better schools, uh, you know, a safer neighborhood, all the factors that are, are part of being a B Class A's, what about value add? Well, there isn't any. Uh, It's either new construction or it's recent construction. Now, there are class A properties that were class A's 20 years ago, and they may be aging into a B plus category. So there could be some properties that could have a little polishing done. But in general, there is no value add that you're going to do. Class Cs, there's no value add there either. Why? These are value-oriented tenants. And yes, value add means you're adding value. The operative word there is you're adding value. I rented from you in this Class C property because I have this many dollars to spend and I want a clean, well-maintained home to live in and that's what you're offering me. I would love to have a washer dryer in my unit. I don't need a washer dryer in my unit. It's not worth the 50 bucks a month that I have to pay to have it in my unit. So don't put one in my unit. I That's not a differentiator that's valuable to me because I'm a class C value tenant. Class B's value add is the bread and butter. It's the secret sauce. And we will actually talk about that down the road as we get deeper into the investment thesis. Value add is very much part of class B. Class B properties are a little older than A's, maybe not as old as C's, and they can some can be a little tired. Even if they're not tired, there's potentially a level of improvement that can be done to almost any class B that's out there to move it closer in experience to class A. You cannot turn a B into an A. That's not doable. You can turn a B into a B plus, And that B plus can be a lot more competitive um, in the marketplace by giving tenants, especially on the interiors, an A-ish kind of experience. What about the investment itself? Well, Class A's, a dollar of NOI in the Class A world is expensive, meaning the cap rates are low. Class C's, NOI is less expensive. It's a bit of a bargain. So cap rates are higher. B's, well, they're in the middle. What do you know? Goldilocks again. Cap rates, NOI is valuable. It's not as valuable as Class A NOI. People aren't going to pay as much for it. It's more valuable than Class C NOI. So cap rates are going to be kind of in the middle. What does that mean, though, about returns? Well, Class A, if cap rates are low, you're not going to see a lot of cash coming out of it. Why? Because the spread between the cap rate and the cost of money, your interest rate, is going to be tighter. And the tighter it is, the less cash is going to get generated. The lower the cap rate, though, the more leverage there is on equity growth. So, If you've got a class A that has a cap rate of 4, we'll use that number, and you add $100,000 in NOI, that grew the value of the property by $2.5 million. If you do that in a C, because the cap rate's higher, maybe it's a 6 cap, if you were to add that $100,000, You'd only get about a million six, a million seven in incremental value. And by the way, you're not going to add $100,000 in value to a Class C, same size relative to a Class A, uh, because you're not going to be able to move the rents in a C as much as you will uh, in an A over time or in a B. So an A is going to be more of an equity oriented deal with modest amounts, low amounts of cash. A Class C, on the other hand, is going to have less equity growth and is going to be much more of a cash-oriented investment. Why? Remember, higher cap rate, that cap rate relative to the interest rate means there's going to be more cash that comes out of a C than comes out of an A. And what do you know? With our mid-cap, Class B is right in the middle. It's a balanced return between cash and equity growth. Not exactly equal There's probably a little more equity growth than there is cash, but you're going to get both components as opposed to being a primary focus on equity or a primary focus on cash. One of the final items that we'll talk about is the availability of units. Now, class A's, again, they're building lots of class A's. So this certainly is shifting, but it is the smallest amount of units in the inventory. Why? Well, because the number of prospective tenants that are interested in class A is smaller than those that are interested in Bs and Cs. So it's limited by the market. They are newer units in general, but the smallest percentage. Class C, on the other hand, are going to be older properties, but not necessarily older. Now, you're not going to build a brand new C because of the costs of construction that we've talked about previously. But a C, a property that was built in the 70s, by definition, isn't a C. It could be a B and it could be a C. Um, And a property that's built earlier than that, say you've got a property built in the 40s, well, it's not any of these. It's a vintage asset, and that's a really different kind of play. But the Cs, there's a lot of them. In our experience, it's it's the second most prevalent asset class out there. There's a lot of Cs because there's a lot of demand in that value-oriented space. So where does that leave Class B? Class B are not as new as Class A's. But generally new-ish, so 20 to 40 to maybe 50 years old, we focus less on the age and more on the kind of infrastructure. So these assets have uh, individual HVAC units. Uh, they, they don't have wall heaters and those sorts of things, uh, pitched roofs. Uh, they they may or, or may not have boilers uh, versus individual hot water heaters. They'll often have hookups for washer dryers. Uh, and then they have all the other amenities that we talked about. It's the most prevalent kind of unit that's out there. And so when you add all those factors up, that we have a static supply that, well, recessions do have an impact on Bs. There's a very prompt recovery because of the impact of As and others moving in. And then we see a little blip when we do start the recovery as B, some Bs move out. We can We can do value add, that we've got reasonable cap rates, which give us a balanced return between cash and equity growth. And there's a lot of inventory for us to work with it just makes a lot of sense for us to focus on Bs as part of our overall focus of let's get a secure, stable investment and then let's make the most of it from a return standpoint. Can you make money investing in A's? Absolutely. Lots of people do it. And there are many firms out there, many sponsors like Mara Poling that are very, very good at it. That's not what we do. You're not going to see us offer a class A investment, a class A investment fund. That's not the skill set that we have honed. There are absolutely people out there that do that and do it well. And again, you should expect that you're not going to see as much cash as you would with a B. You're absolutely going to see more equity growth. That's the way that investment's going to be designed. The same more or less with class C. Class C really doesn't have... Um, uh, a difference when it comes to bees in terms of uh, you know vacancy issues and so on. It's going to have an initial impact from a recession, um, but you're also going to see an impact when the growth cycle starts. Uh, you really can't do value add. The high cap rate is nice for cash, but it doesn't mean much in terms of the growth in equity. And while there's a lot of them out there. There's also subsidized units that are coming online that can compete with Cs. So can you invest in Cs and make money? Again, yes. And there are firms out there that focus on that. I think that's a very attractive place to invest. If if I was going to step outside of Bs, I'd be more inclined to go to a C next as opposed to an A. That's just my uh, instinct, if you will, uh, saying which way to go. But we don't do C's. And the reason we don't do C's is our machine, our methodology, our processes are built to make the most out of B's that we think are the Goldilocks class. Not too hot, not too cold. We think they're just right. Well, I hope you found this week's session on Class B multifamily valuable. Again, it's part of our ongoing series on the Mara polling investment thesis. The next piece that we're going to talk about is where we invest, and that is growth markets. So we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks. I encourage you to join us for that. And please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Pullen.